Hi, I'm Sheila Lecci from the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. Welcome to our podcast, Meet the Investigators. In this series, we want to tell you about the investigative journalists we work with every day. Collaboration is at the core of ICIJ's cross-border investigations, and we couldn't do these projects without the expertise and dedication of our colleagues around the world. It's some kind of collective intelligence. That's the most important thing. That's one of them. This month, we'd like you to meet Luc Caregari. I'm a journalist in Luxembourg. I'm working for the local newspaper Vox, W-O-X-X, which is a small weekly newspaper, small but independent. Luke spoke with ICIJ reporter Will Fitzgibbon. Luke told me that he chose the job because he wanted to have some impact with his journalism. That's not easy in the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg, one of the world's premier tax havens. The latest scandal is that our Grand Duchess is uh, firing and hiring people at, uh, at a very high speed and these decisions must normally be at least green-lighted by the government, but uh, she does not care and it's really like a, a fight for power over the monarchy. It's funny. Most of the time it's funny. Monarchy gossip aside, sure, Luxembourg is in a pretty good spot when it comes to press freedom. But with a population of only 626,000, people notice when you start digging around. The disadvantage is that uh, most people on, on Earth don't even know that this country exists. Uh, <laughs> the advantage is you have uh, very short paths sometimes and if you work as an investigative journalist, you, uh, you can build up your network really quick. But one of the problems in Luxembourg is uh, your sources, I mean, is source protection. If you're in such a small context, protecting your source is very difficult because it's far more easier to, uh, to realize who has said what and who had interest to, to uh, you see where I want to go there. It was exactly that, source protection, that posed a big challenge just a few years ago. Secret documents from 2002 to 2010. 28,000 pages leaked to the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. In 2014, an ICIJ investigation based on leaked documents from a big accounting firm exposed secret deals between multinational companies and the Luxembourg administration. The investigation was called LuxLeaks. Giants like Apple, IKEA and Amazon obtained so-called tax rulings, which allowed them to pay tax rates as low as 1%. The three French men who leaked the documents revealing the sweetheart deals are now going on trial. In 2018, after a long legal battle, the accountant who leaked the documents was acquitted of all charges and recognized as a whistleblower who exposed misconduct. Will remembers it. I remember reading about some of the pressure that was put on whistleblowers and journalists involved in LuxLeaks. What does that tell us about the culture of secrecy in your country and how jealously Luxembourg guards that secret? They are very secretive about business uh, secrets and, and fiscal secrets. I mean, just to give you an, an idea, that we have a new law on archives which um, obligates every ministry to, to give their archives to the National Archives. The Ministry of Finance didn't want to go with it. They said, no, nobody is ever going to see our, our archives, that's fiscal secret. And then there has been a lot of tension and now it's a hundred years. You heard it right. Journalists are only allowed to review 100-year-old documents from Luxembourg Finance Ministry. If you want to write something about the 1929 uh, crash, and the impact it had on, on, on Luxembourg economics and, 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 and tax system, you have to wait nine years. 
you still have to wait nine years because they don't want it. I think LuxLeaks has a bit changed changed the thing because the first trial was really bitter for, for Luxembourg and the international image it projected. Information transmise un journaliste d'investigation, Edouard Perrin. The trial Luke is talking about was not only against the whistleblowers. Scandaleux et injuste. In 2015, Luxembourg state attorney put lots of pressure on Edouard Perrin, a journalist and ICAJ member who first reported on the Luxembourg tax deals. Initially, he was accused of being an accomplice, but he was later acquitted. It's difficult to, to, to keep up against them, but um, they know now that they are being watched. Since LuxLeaks, there has been renewed scrutiny on Luxembourg's tax avoiding schemes. But still today, the country is considered a tax haven for its financial secrecy. And many of Luke's investigations inevitably focus on that. Maybe not everything leads back to the tax haven aspect of Luxembourg, but a lot of things do. And it's something that's um, not in the picture of the, let's call it, mainstream media. Luxembourg in financial place is, is complex. The tax aspect is only one of them. Some aspects are not uh, really harmful. I mean, uh, yes, it's a place in Central Europe. Yes, it's made for rich people. We have been observing the last 20 years that the gentrification of Luxembourg is rapid and it's enormous and uh, it's not stopping. I mean, there have been lots of efforts being made to attract uh, so-called HNWIs, high net worth individuals. We have let the Qataris in, we're the biggest place outside of China for trading in renminbi, in the Chinese currency. In recent years, tax justice activists and journalists, just like us at ICIJ, have paid increasing attention to the harmful effects of tax evasion and financial secrecy. Tax is the lifeblood of democracy. Reforms like beneficial ownership are really critical to... Hidden deep within shell companies and anonymous entities. And the very secrecy of this world allows you to misuse it. As a result of those battles, some tax havens like Luxembourg are slowly becoming less opaque. A new national database now allows people to search for information on companies based in the country. It's been quite a fight to get to it because now the beneficial owners of financial structures have to be um, identified and there's a fine form uh, that goes up to 1 million euros and that's a big step on one hand. But you still have to know what you're looking for. You cannot enter just a name in the database and then get all the files linked in it. So Luxembourg and other countries might let you search for the company name if you happen to already know it. But that doesn't mean you can search for the true owners of that company. To give you an example, the Luxembourg database even helped us with our recent investigation into the business empire of Isabel dos Santos, the billionaire daughter of Angola's former president. We could identify Sindicato Colo as the owner of the Grisogono. We knew the name of a jewelry company that had links to Isabel dos Santos. Its name was De Grisogono. We found it in the registry, and the attached documents allowed us to confirm that her husband, Sindicato Colo, was indeed its owner. But without knowing the company's name, we would have never found him and the link to millions of dollars from the Angolan states. Last year, Luke used that tiny bit of information that the registry provides to look into the activities of Airbnb, the home sharing site. I have been reading a story in a Vienna newspaper where they put it all in infographics how Airbnb had changed the living conditions in in Vienna and how uh, the 
the Vienna city government was facing it and then I said to myself, wow, what about Luxembourg? I mean, we have a real housing problem here because the prices are extraordinarily high. I mean, you can buy like a, a flat in Luxembourg city, a small flat with one room is now 1 million euros. That's uh, just counted in dollars. It's really, it's really totally, totally sick. Wow. And uh, why aren't they doing anything against this? And so I started looking around for answers, uh, phoning around and then someone told me just go on, on the business registry and, and type in Airbnb. Where I discovered why the Luxembourgian government was so uh, not harsh on Airbnb. The link is very simple. Airbnb has their accountant center in Luxembourg. And like in the Luxembourgian government has been on, on a shopping tour in Silicon Valley and they attracted it to Luxembourg for obvious tax reasons. Luke found that at least a hundred homeowners should have requested a business license in order to rent out their property on Airbnb. But many were able to take advantage of the government's lax controls and avoided paying taxes on their renting businesses in Luxembourg. What kind of reaction did you get from the government or from Airbnb? From Airbnb, none. It has even generated a, a, a parliamentary question, a question to government from parliament. The answer has been a deception as always as always in Europe, they're saying we are waiting for a European solution, we can do this on our own. That's, that's, the, that's the issue. Always if they don't want to really tackle a problem, that's the standard answer. You have to wait for a European solution. Despite the mild reaction to the story, Luke learned two important lessons while reporting, and he shared them with us. First, protect your sources, always. You have to protect them from being found out. It's that, it's, that's something I, I learned in in witnessing the deluxe leaks process. And then second of all, yeah, don't be afraid to think out of the box. Don't be afraid to search for, for links nobody has seen and don't be afraid to, to get lost sometimes or to admit that you were looking for something that wasn't there. That's also possible. And this leads to the final part of our podcast, where we ask our guests if there is a recent piece of journalism that they loved or hated. It's um, from the Institute of New Economic Thinking, Berlin Paramore, Meet the Hidden Architect Behind America's Racist Economics. It's not really an investigation, but uh, I think that's also very important to, to, to read things like that, not only to get the bigger picture, but to um, get your picture bigger. Exactly. And then I watched the Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix and it was really not good. Only if you want to say this is bad investigation, then look at it. It, it could be an example for that because lots of promises and then there's nothing really behind. And you see the leads, they, they could have followed and they don't do it. I was really like, oh my God. Well, I haven't watched it yet, but now I'm curious. There's always something to learn after all. That's it for this month's episode of our Meet the Investigators podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. The episode was produced by Amy Wilson Chapman, Will Fitzgibbon, Carmen Molina Costa and me, Sheila Lecci. Please send us your feedback at social at icij.org. And don't forget to tell your friends. If you can, please share it on social media and use the hashtag MeetTheInvestigators. Thanks for listening. Ciao!